the Mountaineers are going dancing. West Virginia earned a bid in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2021, and they are headed to Birmingham, Alabama. We get into that and much more on this edition of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Eric Parker, back with you today. It is a happy, happy, happy podcast. Mountaineers are in the NCAA tournament. If you had told me this after an 0-5 start, after it seemed like this season was going up and down, sideways, taking all these different turns, I might not have believed you. Here we are, Mountaineer women. They also got in big time for them. Coach P's first season. But Aaron, just your initial thoughts on the Mountaineers. They were like the fourth name red on Sunday, which I think was good in itself that you just got it out the way bad news is they're in alabama's region other bad news to that is if they beat maryland they're playing alabama well in the state of alabama so kind of just your general thoughts on them playing maryland and where where they were seated yeah very proud of this team they finished the season strong got the job done at home got the job done on the first day in kansas city won three of their last four and put themselves in into the tournament so good for them obviously if you're a mountaineer fan you want to be in Columbus. Um, that's that's more ideal. I think we talked about that in the last uh, episode. But Birmingham, you know, that's just the cards that they were dealt. Got to go down and uh, take care of business against Maryland. And then at that point, then you worry about Bama. But Maryland's a good team. You can't overlook them. Uh, but if they do get past uh, the Terps, then that's going to be tough to play Bama in their backyard. Yeah, certainly no easy draw by any stretch of the imagination. But I, it's, it's fun because – you're the eight nine matchup, so it's kind of two similarly talents level teams. Um, you are playing the first overall game, so you're on CBS. Like all eyes are going to be on you. You get the like for those watching on TV, you're going to get Jim Nance in his last March Madness run. Like you're going to get that. Uh, you're going to get all the Huggins Hall of Fame stories because they're going to they're going to promote that. They're going to do that, and I would expect there will be a Mountaineer contingent down there in Birmingham, and you get somewhat of a. Rivalry that was built by football, in a sense, that is now translated onto the basketball court. Obviously, we know in 2015, these two teams played also in the NCAA tournament. And if you're a Maryland fan, you did not like that game. And if you're a West Virginia fan, well, you saw West Virginia beat Mellow Trimble up. So let's talk about the Terps. Terps, uh, 21-12 and 12 overall. They were kind of bounced around the top to the middle of the Big Ten pack all year. Um Few interesting nuggets on the Terps. They are 31st in the net, 22nd ranked by Ken Palm. But biggest thing, just for like West Virginia, is Maryland has struggled away from Xfinity Center. They only have one loss all year at home. That was in the non-conference to UCLA where they just got killed. Other than that, they have been perfect at home. Uh, they are 2-9 and nine on the road, 3-2 and two on a neutral court. And I believe those two wins on the road are against the two worst teams in the Big 12, in the Big 10, excuse me. And I think it was Nebraska and Minnesota. I know Minnesota for one. I'm not sure. I think I, I think I'm right on Nebraska, but anyways, the Terps have struggled to play away from home. West Virginia has also struggled to play away from home, obviously, but they kind of righted that ship in a sense uh, at the end of the year, playing in that high crazy environment with the amount of adversity that they did against Iowa state winning that game. That's huge. And so we'll see which team really can get it done away from their home court is what I think it's going to be down there in Birmingham on Thursday. Yeah. It's a test for both, both squads for sure. I mean, if you look at this WVU program, since uh, the Deuce McBride and Derek Culver days winning on the road, winning anywhere outside of the WVU Coliseum is a struggle. 
Um, but this team did it uh, in Lubbock, and they did it late in the season uh, against a tournament team in Iowa State. And then they went down to Kansas City and got it done on a neutral four. So I think this team um, has improved uh, compared to last year's team uh, away from the Coliseum. And, you know, obviously Maryland has struggled too. So to put two teams in Alabama, um, you know, I think it's going to be a good clash and we'll see. Uh, I mean, somebody's got to adjust and something's got to give. Yeah, somebody's going to win the game. It's just a matter of who. Let's get into a little stats. Maryland is a defensive-oriented team. Uh, as you're going to hear later in an interview I have with Henry Brown of WMUC Sports at the University of Maryland, he says they like to press. They kind of do a lot of different defenses. They shuffle defenses. They move things around in that sense. Uh, and they slow the game down. Uh Maryland is 312th, ranked in Ken Palm, and adjusted tempo per game. West Virginia, on the flip side, 104th. So Maryland really likes to make you use the clock and, in a sense, can be better on defense because they're not giving you the ball as much on offense. So just how do you think this team will match up against the press, Aaron? I think you obviously have Keedy, who's not a true point guard, which could be a downside, but you have multiple guys who can dribble the ball, Emmett Matthews, Trey Mitchell, those types of guys other than your guards. You can. I mean, you do have different options there bringing the ball up the floor, but, I mean, it usually does fall into the hands most of the time with Kedrian Johnson and then when he's on the bench, uh, Joe Toussaint. That kind of scares me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I don't think the Mountaineers have seen a ton of waves of uh, press defenses, pressure defenses. Um, and, you know, looking back at that Kansas game in, in Lawrence when it was really the Dewan Harris show on defense, it kind of reminded me of Javon Carter and Press Virginia. Um, and the Mountaineers turned the ball over 21 times. Keedy turned it over eight himself. Um, so it scares me a little bit, but you do have a lot of experience there. Trey Mitchell is a senior. Emma Matthews a fifth, is a fifth year. Keedy's a fifth year. Eric's a fifth year. Um, so you do have experience, but I don't know. It does scare me a little bit with a pressure defense because I don't think the Mountaineers have seen it too much. And also what scares me too is that none of these guys really have NCAA tournament experience. Eric Stevenson, first time in the tournament. Emmett Matthews, he played in the tournament, but it was a few years ago. Keedy, when this team was in the tournament, he was he didn't see the floor much. So Trey Mitchell, I don't think he, he wasn't on that Texas team last year. When they went to the tournament, he was off the team by then. So mm -hmm. there's not a lot of guys who have been here on this stage before, and two things will happen. They'll either rise to the occasion or they won't, and we'll find we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of years experience there, but like you said, there's just not much NCAA tournament experience. And when these guys were starting college or maybe in their sophomore season, when you go back to Eric and Emmett, their COVID, uh, the COVID kind of took the tournament away from Emmett. I know that. I'm not sure what Eric's position was with, with Wichita State, but I'm sure he had some opportunities taken away as well. And and like you said, Kedrian Johnson was kind of like a third option on that 20 to 21 team. And Emmett was a starter, but really only won one game there. Um, so somebody's going to have to rise to the occasion, and I think WVU's big men. I mean, they're pretty inexperienced when it comes to NCAA tournament play, nothing for Trey Mitchell and nothing for Jimmy Bell. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, speaking of West, uh, Maryland, big men, excuse me, Maryland's big man, uh, Julian Reese. He is a talented player who's really, really, really athletic. Uh, on the season, he's kind of gone up and down, I would say. He's scoring 11.2 points per game, seven just over seven rebounds per game, uh, has 38 blocks on the year. Uh, so as you'll hear later, he struggles getting into foul trouble. But as we know with West Virginia, uh, they're, they've gone small recently. And this could mean you have a 6'7 guy at your five, either Emmett or Trey. Trey closer to 6'8, I'd say. But 
either way, you get the point. And so West Virginia is going to have to find a way to kind of exploit these mini matchups, I'd say. And I think that when you're going small against a pressing team, that kind of helps because if you have Emmett and Trey on the floor, you really do have five guys that can dribble and handle the ball in some capacity. You don't want them bringing up the court, bringing the ball up the court, obviously, but you can have, you can throw it to them. You can dribble, like they can dribble the ball and you are not terrified of them with the ball, like say James Oconquo or Jimmy Bell. So there's that side to it as well, that if you're playing a pressing team and you have five guys on the floor when you're playing smaller that can dribble, it helps you. But I just don't know how this team's going to do because we've seen them. They're at their best when they're running up and down, getting in transition, going quick. Maryland likes to kind of slow things down, play their type of game. It's going to be a who adjusts to who first. And if you're West Virginia and you have to speed Maryland up and you get going by their press, it's going to be a good day for you, I think. Right, and the Mountaineers have succeeded down this last stretch when going small, and I'd imagine that Joe Toussaint will be a pretty big factor. Um, you know, he had 19 against Iowa State um, in that in that matchup. We kind of saw the Mountaineers just really um, go small, especially the second half and especially, you know, the, the under four timeout um, up until the end of the game, and I think it worked for them. Um, and I think it worked against Kansas State as well. I think I think if you're a Mountaineer fan, you might see a little bit of uh, Kobe Johnson too if uh, in a kind of a backup role he can take care of the ball. I'd be uh, interested to see if if he takes any shots or, or Seth Wilson gets in the game. Um, if you want to try to speed up that Terp defense as, a, as opposed to trying to go big with them and trying to, you know, sub James in and, and keep Jimmy in and, and play that kind of game. So if the Mountaineers go small and then try to run them, um, I think those, those three backup guards will get some run. Yeah, I think Kobe should see the floor. Um, he's seen the floor a lot recently. I think Seth, big time. Like if you can, if you have a guy who can, you can get the ball to and to break a press by making shots, that's that's perfect. Uh, Eric, he's gonna have to play. He's gonna have to be Eric. He's not gonna. Have, he can't. He can't shy away from the moment. Like we we talked about this on our last episode of that. Eric's been dying for this moment. He's the guy. He's the showman. Like come come take it. It's there for you. It's here. It's March. Uh. Kind of want to get your thoughts on this. I've been thinking about it this way, if you're West Virginia, that I don't want to say that they can make a run and say that definitively, because obviously we've seen this team just not show up at times this year. But I don't want to say the door is closed to make a run, and here's why. West Virginia, they've played Purdue. They've played Kansas. They've played Texas. They've played all these – they've played Xavier on the road. Like, they've played all these top schools, and they've never been – against an opponent that they have not had a chance to beat. And that is a positive. Against Purdue in Oregon on Thanksgiving night, you were down four with like four to play. Ended up losing by, I think, 12, but it doesn't matter. Kansas, two weeks ago, on the road, lose by two. Uh, Xavier, you lead for 32, 34 minutes of that game for the most part, should have a chance to win, and then just can't get it done. So my point being here is that the seed line here doesn't matter. You play the game for a reason. Anyone can beat anyone. And West Virginia should have some level of confidence that they're finally outside of the Big 12. They're seeing a non-Big 12 opponent. And they're going to have a chance to send, send messages because they've competed with the top teams in the country already. I get Alabama's really good. I get Maryland's a good team. I get, if you look at the bracket, San Diego State, Virginia, Baylor, all these teams, Arizona, all these teams in your side 
of your your region, excuse me, are good. But I'm just not saying that it's one win and done is your ceiling. I'm saying this team's ceiling is Sweet 16 Elite 8 territory because they've shown they can compete. It's just a matter of if they can compete and win. Those are two very different things. Yeah, you're right. They have shown that they've been able to compete. They stayed in that game against Xavier. I mean, they had that had that game within grass. Probably should have won that game. Yeah, probably, probably should have won, won that game. Let it slip. Almost beat Purdue. Emmett Matthews was sick. People were in foul trouble. Eric, Jimmy, they were in foul Curry trouble. Mitchell only had like yeah. three points or something like that in the game. He had three fouls before he had a point. Like Absolutely. You're right there against Kansas. Um, you beat the brakes off of a non-conference opponent in Florida. Um, but I think if you're the Mountaineers, they, they've kind of uh, seen – like, you know, starting Big 12 play 0-5, they were right there at home against Baylor, um, right there against, uh, let's see. Texas. I, I think Texas, yeah, lost by five to Texas. Shouldn't be now, Kansas State on the road. Probably should absolutely. be Oklahoma State on the road. So yeah. those are four or five wins there that you could have had. Yeah, absolutely. And then as the season went on, towards the end of the season, you saw the Mountaineers kind of get over that hump and be right there with teams, but close the door. Auburn at home, um, obviously beat the brakes off Oklahoma. Iowa State at home, just winning these close games, Iowa State on the road. Um, but once you go into NCAA play, you're as good, if not better, than these teams, nothing against Maryland. Um, and I know WVU can run with Alabama if they got matched up with them because Alabama beat the brakes off of Oklahoma, or Oklahoma beat Alabama to death. So if you're the Mountaineers, you kind of just got to knock, knock on the – they've been knocking on the door all season, kind of just got to bust it open uh, at this point. Yeah, and I think – if you get past, let's say, Maryland, and then you're playing in a road environment with house money against a one seed, what's like you have nothing to lose at that point. You honestly have nothing to lose in any of these games because you're in the tournament. It's a big turnaround from a year ago. But like go out and play loose. You got three seniors who will never play basketball again if you lose. Like they will never step foot on a college court again once they lose their next game. So those three, those three starters who in their last two wins against Texas Tech and Kansas State, like, they were the story. They carried this team offensively. So those three guys, they've got to show up. Like, they have they wanted this the whole season. Well, now they have it. Are they better than a nine seed? Yes. But are they also, in a sense, worse than a nine seed because they're four games under 500 in conference play? Also, yes. So you are where you are. Can't change that. Got to go out and play the game. Exactly. Your starters got to gotta come ready to play and, and the seniors you know have to be ready to shine even though maybe they haven't seen this NCAA moment as as much as like like when we were in middle school and high school the the seniors on WVU's program they had already smelled and tasted the NCAA tournament multiple times and so this is a little different scenario uh, but if you look back to that Kansas State team uh, the Kansas State game in Morgantown four of the five WVU stars had double figures three of them with 20 plus they're playing good right now um, none of them are on a, a real cold streak, if you will. I think they're all shooting the ball pretty well. Um, they just got to take care of the basketball and, and not let the lights uh, get too bright on them. Yeah, Emma Matthews really has stepped it up in the last two, three weeks. Eric Stevenson obviously closed the regular season five games, scoring 20-plus points. And then Trey Mitchell, he's shown, he's shown his ceiling is really, really high, and you you just have to love that. So, for me, that's what I'm going to be looking for. How do your seniors carry this team? Because at the end of the day, those guys are going to be the ones you look to. Eric Stevenson's going to be the one all eyes turn to if you're West Virginia and you need a bucket lead against Maryland. Exactly, and especially if WVU goes on some kind of scoring drought, you're going to need you're going to need Trey 
or especially Eric to step up and kind of, if they have to stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding, make a shot. You can't let, you know, a bad couple of minutes turn into a bad five minutes or a bad seven or eight minutes, especially in the second half. We've seen that happen, saw it happen at Xavier, had that game and they didn't score hardly any field goals in the last six or eight minutes. Uh, so you can't let that happen. And your seniors got to make a shot, even if, even if Alabama or, or Maryland is putting a run on you in the second half and you got to step up and you got to lead. Predictions, predictions, predictions. I'll go first here. Um, I'll go, we'll, we'll go two things. We'll go, how far do we think West Virginia can make it? And then we'll go a separate prediction for this Maryland game. I think West Virginia can make it to the Sweet 16. I think they can make it to the Elite Eight if they get the right matchup there. But I, I think they're capable of beating Maryland. I keep I think they're capable of beating Alabama. It's just whether or not they will do it. Personally, I think Maryland is a not the best matchup in the world for West Virginia, just the way their roles are kind of and their styles are kind of flipped. Um, also, part of me wants to do the reverse psychology thing of go with Maryland just because it feels like that gives West Virginia the best chance to win. But I will take the Mountaineers here. I just think that West Virginia is a good team, and they played in the toughest conference in America, and now they get to go show – how good they really are. I think Eric Stevenson, big day. I think Trey Mitchell, you're going to have to be great, especially on defense, uh, Garden Maryland's kind of odd-sizing lineup. So I will take West Virginia. I will take them no more than by four points. I think this is going to be a back-and-forth game. Who wins it late? And I think it's going to have to be West Virginia making shots and not relying on getting to the free-throw line because Maryland will not foul you like – other teams in the Big 12 have. So that's my prediction. I think ceiling, Sweet 16, Elite 8, maybe, probably Sweet 16. Uh, and I'll take West Virginia in the first round win over the Terps. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, you know, when, when this team's making shots, it, it's hard to not be able to, you know, in a March Madness setting say, why not? Why can't they go to the Elite 8 or, or the Final Four? Um, but as far as ceiling goes, I'm probably going to keep them at the Sweet 16 level. Um, you know, to beat Maryland and Alabama and Alabama's backyard would be really tough. And assuming there's no upsets on the other side, you would get matched up with Virginia. Uh, Virginia's State, really maybe. good team. What's up? San Diego mm-hmm. State, maybe. Yeah. Both teams who play yeah. really good defense, yep. Yeah, it's a five-seed San Diego State and a Virginia team with Tony Bennett's pack line defense. So I don't I don't see them as a, even as a ceiling going like Final Four, um, but I do see them beating Maryland. Um, I don't know why. Uh, just got kind of got a feeling in me. That Eric Stevenson's gonna, you know, keep up his his hot shooting and score twenty plus. Um, as far as Bama goes, if you were to get there, it would have to be like almost like a two thousand seven to two thousand eight Duke game or twenty ten Kentucky. It's got to be an upset. Uh, WV's got to be on their game while Bama's got to be struggling, uh, and that can happen. It's March, and that happens every single year. Um, but everything would have to go right. Yeah, to beat Alabama, you almost have to play a perfect game where you turn the ball over less than seven times, you shoot lights out from three, you have Jimmy Bell in the game. Like, everything almost has to go right if you're going to beat an Alabama-caliber team. And, I mean, heck, like, they almost beat Kansas on the road. So there is a blueprint. Like, Kansas and Alabama, they were both – they like, they were the neck and neck for who's going to be the overall one seed. Alabama got it. But, like, here you are. Let's let's go do this thing. So – um, information on the game, 12-15 tip, Thursday, CBS, Maryland, West Virginia. Uh, and that's all I got. Anything else from you? Yeah, it's an exciting time. It's been since uh, our freshman year, since the Mountaineers made the tournament, and that was a COVID tournament with 
basically no fans. So it's exciting times, um, very senior heavy team. So hopefully they can get it done down there. Yeah, for those of you who might not have picked up, Aaron and I are juniors at WVU. So freshman year, two years ago, uh, really the first tournament where I feel like like I'm I'm like a little anxious for since probably JC's senior year. Um, I mean, obviously that's only the second tournament to go, but uh, there's a good feeling around. There's I feel I feel a good vibe about this the way this team can play and. Hopefully they bring it down. Hopefully the rest helps. I think it will. I think if you can get Keedy healed up, especially, I think he was probably your most banged up player outside of Mel McGee, who was probably done for the year. So uh, if you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. Now I'm going to get kick it to my interview with Henry Brown. Once again, uh, I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker, and this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am pleased to be joined by my good friend, and writer for WMUC Sports and the University of Maryland, Henry Brown. Henry, how are you doing today? I'm great. Uh, happy to be here. So Henry's going to just kind of fill us in on who the Terps are. He's a beat writer for the Maryland basketball team and knows all things Maryland basketball. So just going to kind of pick his brain and have a general idea of who the Terps are heading into West Virginia's 8-9 matchup in the first round down in Birmingham. So Henry, just an overall talk about Maryland season. I know they went 21-12, and uh, bounced around the top to middle of the Big Ten and then lost in, I believe, the Big Ten quarterfinals. So just like, who is Maryland generally as a team? Um, well, this is Kevin Willard's first year as coach of Maryland, and he's the first Maryland coach to ever make the tournament in his first year with the program. So, like, he's, like, one of the stars of the show as college basketball goes. Um, this is Jameer Young's team. Uh, he had a really good case to be uh, first team all Big Ten. He didn't make it, but a, a few other guards did. Like, it was, there were, like, seven guys on the first team. He wasn't one of them. It was a, sort of a scandal around here, as you could probably guess. But uh, it's his team. Um he leads the team in scoring by a good amount. He scores about 16 a game. Uh, like three guys score 11 a game. Um, he is um, probably the best point guard, or no, the second best point guard in the Big Ten besides Jalen Pickett. And uh, I think it's going to be a good game, Maryland-West Virginia, because I've been looking at West Virginia's stats, looking at what they're good at, what they're bad at. I think it'd be a really fun matchup. Talking about Jameer Young, he's your best player. He's from Charlotte, I believe. Yes, he is. Uh, c- comes to Maryland. He's from the DMV area originally, mm-hmm. right? So just kind of what does he do well? What does he kind of struggle at? And how is he how is he kind of taken Maryland as his team this year? Okay, yeah. So at Charlotte, he averaged like these monster numbers because it's like Conference USA, I think. It's not one of like the bigger conferences. He averaged like 20 a game, 20 a season. Wait, 20 a game one season. Yeah, right. Um, and this season he's brought over a lot of the same stuff. He's one of the best finishers around. He's this little guy, he's like six one. Um, but he can get into the paint at will. If you put one guy in front of him, he's going to get through the guy. Um, but if you put a bunch of guys in the paint, long guys who can put their arms up, then um, he's, his shot gets blocked a lot. But uh, he has a really good two-man game with uh, the big man, Julian Reese. And he's really good at getting everyone else involved. Because sometimes one problem with Maryland's offense is it reverts to a lot of uh, staring and looking at him sometimes. He's the only like elite creator on the team. And I believe he had like a 35% usage rate this season, something in that neighborhood. Talking about your difference between offense and defense here, Maryland, it seems like, likes to switch a lot of different defensive types, whether it be a kind of three-quarter court press, full court press, uh, half court press, sometimes switching into a little bit of a zone. So what has 
what have they found that is kind of their calling card on defense? Is it that kind of switching defense, or do they have something they kind of prefer to go to more often than others? It's the press. It's the three quarters full court press. Uh, I think that when they do that, they can slow the game down to like the second slowest per possession. Um, one through about seven or eight. Maryland plays seven guys per big game, sometimes eight, depending on uh, their point guard situation. Every single one of them, except for Jameer Young, is a very good defender, at least. Jameer Young is an okay defender, but that's just like a different tier. Everyone else that they have is highly capable and highly switchable. And they are very good at playing at their own pace. Defense turns to offense, and their defense usually leads the way. Like a lot of the reasons why they lose these games are because their offense just can't capitalize on the situations the defense creates for them. Yeah, I, I was looking at some numbers, and Maryland is one of the slower-moving teams per possession uh, in college basketball. They like to hold the ball a lot, and they like to use shot clock on both ends of the floor, uh, and they're, they keep scores down. So on that note, West Virginia, they've had a – season that's been up and down they are obviously in the big 12 started 0 and 5 in conference play uh fought back a little bit they've but they've competed with everyone they competed with purdue maryland beat purdue what was what did maryland do well to control zach Eady? and who do you think is kind of a difference maker that can translate from a common opponent like purdue um the reason why i believe on the road they lost by three to purdue and then when we hosted purdue we beat them by double digits, which was like the biggest deficit they'd had all season by like a lot. It's because of Julian Reese. He's our sophomore big. He's only like six foot nine, but he's very smart defensively. And he did a very good job of baiting Zach Eady where he wanted to go. He kept him as about as uninvolved as you can ask for. Eady still got his, like he, he had like 18 points on decent efficiency, but you had him taking fewer shots and you had him fouling more. So Maryland is good at uh, feeding the big man when they need to and uh, making sure that Julian Reese can get his own shots against E.D., expose him defensively sometimes. Yeah, talk about guys who seem to have come on late. One of those guys seems to me to be Hakeem Hart, seems to be scoring the ball a lot better in the last month compared to earlier in the season. Is that something you've kind of seen, and what's his what's his game like? So to me, his scoring has been consistent. It's his playmaking that's taking a jump. He has discovered this, this role for him where – he can be the secondary playmaker when Jameer Young needs a rest or at least Maryland needs a more dynamic offense. He is very good. He's a bigger athlete than Jameer Young. He's six foot six and a much better defender. He's probably our best one-on-one defender. Um, He's very good at uh, finding cutters. He can handle, he can get to the rim on his own. He's, he's sort of struggled the last few games. Uh, He and Dante Scott both, but Scott has been, I don't want to say the streakiest player in the world, but he's probably on that list somewhere. Um, Maryland can be dynamic when they need to because they realize that when they're too reliant on Jameer Young, then they're too predictable. Does Would you say Jameer Young's more of a driver, like you would say, or would you say he tends to shoot the ball at a higher rate than most point guards? Like, where does he get most of his points from? Absolutely. Uh, most of his shots come at the rim. A lot of free throw line shots. He's very good at drawing fouls, which is why some of these games, he throws up stinkers, but he gets away with it because like in the, in the, um, and I forget, I think it was the first game of the big 10 tournament. He had 15 points on three for 13 shooting. Cause he's so aggressive. He gets to the lane so often and he's really good at these uh, mid range shots uh, off a screen or mid range off drop coverage. He can um, put up a floater. And as of recently, his three has really come around in the past dozen or so games, he's been shooting over 40%. 
And that's really helped because now defenses have to respect that he can score on them in a bunch of different ways, but he's primarily uh, a driver and a slasher. You, you talked about Maryland's press. I know West Virginia used to be dubbed press Virginia a few years ago for their, for their press and how hectic it was for other teams. But with that, West Virginia fouled a lot, but Conversely, West Virginia's getting, I think, close to 25% of their points per game at the free throw line. So is Maryland a team who tends to foul a lot, or are they able to kind of stay out of foul trouble and, in a sense, press without fouling? Or do they run into foul trouble often because of their press and how that brings an extra level of physicality to it? They are very good at pressing without fouling. They do it a lot more than I thought they would. I thought it was this sort of gimmicky thing they were doing at the start of the season, but they've really figured out how to slow down just about everyone they play. The only guy who really struggles with fouling is Reese. I don't know his number, but he averaged like three and a half fouls a game over the season. There was this stretch where in like six games in a row during Big Ten play, he was averaging like four, four and a half. He, um, he's very, as I said, he's very smart defensively, but sometimes he gets caught. He plays against a lot of big guys in the Big Ten. And sometimes that means he's got to hack a little bit. Um, in the tournament, Maryland's backup center also struggled with foul trouble. So that might be a little storyline. But most of our guards and wings are pretty good at uh, playing smart defense and um, staying out of the way. West Virginia, they've played small recently. They've kind of gone and found a way to have an effective small lineup. They've had 6-7 Trey Mitchell at the five. They've had 6-7 Emmett Matthews at the five. Do you think that's something where West Virginia can find success or does Maryland have enough length and enough athleticism with that length, especially at the four and five spot to kind of be able to defend that? You think? I think that sort of plays into what Maryland's looking for because Julian Reese is six foot nine and he's definitely the biggest player. We have Dante's guy who's six foot seven, Hakeem Hart, six foot six. All three of those guys are very versatile defenders. And I think it plays to Reese is the anchor of the defense. I think it plays to his strength not to have a seven foot four guy in the lane. I think that all of these guys are very long. They can um, protect the rim and um, they can stay on the perimeter. Reese did a very good job in uh, one of the Penn State games. I think both of the Penn State games, um, holding his own on the perimeter, uh, getting a lot of blocks, getting a lot of stops. So would you say for West Virginia, whose starting center is 6'10", 285, would you say they're more likely to win a battle down there with someone like him compared to going with a smaller, more flexible athleticism-wise lineup? Depends on how much movement your offense has. If you're just on the block posting up, um, I think you might be able to get Reese a few times, but he's really good at reading the floor. I think that if uh, he's, he's good at planting himself by the rim and um, staying with guys who are about his size. So then I'll ask you this. When Reese is on the floor versus when he is off the floor, is there a big difference in how good this team is and how this team moves offensively and defensively? Defensively, there's not really that much of a difference. Our backup, his name is a million. Um, he's even smaller than Reese. He's like six, 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 seven, but he's very he's even smarter defensively, I think. He's like one of the most clever players in the on the team. But he doesn't shoot very much. He only averages like four points a game, but I think he averages free throws on over 90% of the shots he takes. He only takes shots when he knows he's going to get fouled. Um, Reese is more of like a feed the big guy type of thing. He's not a shooter. He's a complete non-shooter. But if you get him the ball by the basket, he converts over 60% of his shots. So I think you lose a little bit of offense without him, but Emilian is very good at moving the ball. Moving on to more Maryland stuff, what would you say has been Maryland's biggest strength this season? 
Uh, their defense. I have to say their defense because I'm gonna. You're, you're probably gonna ask about weaknesses. I'm gonna get to that, but they do not have a very thick bench. Um, but the fact that everyone who gets minutes gets minutes because they can defend and they can play as a team. Right. It's so important. They have a multi-dimensional defense that they play great as a team. They they play great one on one, and as you said, they know how to go into the zone. They know how to uh, start a long press and slow down possessions. And then as soon as they make the slowest possible defensive possession, they run in transition. They get defenses on their heels. And then, as you called it, Maryland's biggest weakness, what would you say they've struggled with at times this season? Um, Some of their offense. When their defense puts them in positions to succeed, Dante Scott has had his moments. But, um, boy, in, in the Big Ten game where Maryland blew a 15-point lead in the final game of the regular season, uh, Hakeem Hart and Dante Scott combined for four points. And Jameer Young had 26. It was really tough to watch. But sometimes you need some guys to create besides Jameer Young. And our bench doesn't really offer a lot of that. We only have – we play one – sometimes two guards off the bench and one forward. And none of them are creators or at least efficient creators. There's there's a lot of reliance on the very few guys who can. So sometimes we stall out. And then last bit from here for me couple stats here. Maryland 31st in the net, 3 and 10 in quad 1 games, but they are 16 and 1 at home at Xfinity Center, 2 and 9 on the road and 3 and 2 on a neutral court. So the road struggles have been evident for West Virginia this season as well, but what would you say has kind of plagued Maryland on the road and what's what's the difference between when they're playing at at home versus on the road besides the obvious crowd difference? Um sometimes it's really just no one besides Jameer Young shows up to some of these moments. Like he he gets in trouble sometimes because he's not a huge guy and he might really struggle to get the ball through the hoop sometimes because of big teams might pack the paint against him. But that's when we need other guys to step up. Sometimes the issue is Hakeem Hart has really struggled on the road and I think he's our second, maybe third best player. But we really need other guys to show up. If we just ask one guy to beat a whole team, we're not going to succeed and we haven't. And last but not least, biggest key for you for the Terps if they want to win in advance to probably face number one overall seed Alabama on Saturday. Yeah, as I said, I just need more people to score. I need more people to do something besides Jameer Young is going to give you what he's going to give you. And so is Julian Reese. Julian Reese is safe to give you 12 points, really good efficiency. He's going to miss most of his free throws. But everyone else, Hakeem Hart and Dante Scott, I'm especially looking at because I need them and Don Carey, our fifth starter. I need the tertiary guys, the wings. I need them to really contribute, be efficient, and stay out of foul trouble. Well, I appreciate you joining. Everyone, uh, go give Henry a follow on Twitter at HenryJBrown2. That is H-E-N-R-Y-J-B-R-O-W-N and then the number two. Once again, Henry Brown, WMUC Sports at the University of Maryland, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much.